0: Good morning, my pretties. Literally, the thought of this podcast is what got me. Up. Okay, not out of bed. I'm still laying in my bed, but like, I was just thinking about something, and I was literally sitting here, like, with my hand curled in the fist, as if I was holding a podcast mic, discussing my thoughts on this very real world phenomenon. And I was like, you know, I should just put this on the podcast. So, what I've been thinking and discussing in my head, I was literally least talking about it out loud. I was like, this is just go on the podcast. So. I'm trying to remember what exactly it was I was watching. Oh, so I was, you know, doing my morning Instagram TikTok scroll. I know it's not good for my brain. I know it offsets my dopamine levels to rely on notifications from my phone to be happy all day. I know, but also, like, my bed's warm and the outside's cold and there's not much to do in my bed besides talk to myself and my ceiling. So listen. anyways, so I'm scrolling on Instagram and, like, the one of the hosts from Plan Bree was talking about how, like, one of... Plan is another podcast, and how one of her friends, like, had dated Matt Rife, and then she met the girl at a bar, who had I think has just been dumped by Matt Rife, I'm not really sure. So, I think Matt Rife, in general, is just an interesting concept that's going to lead into what I want to talk about. This isn't really about Matt Rife, or about Plan Bree I think both those creators are very talented, and I don't think I could do what they do. But, um, I think they're both, I have, like, no negative feelings towards either one. This is really more just about, like, celebrity and stardom, and that I think as a world, I don't think my podcast will make this difference, but I think we should be a little bit kinder to celebrities. You know, I feel like one of the first things that they tell you in, like, middle elementary school is not to be a bully, to treat others how you don't want to be treated, and, to, like, I think a lot of religions, that's a high priority, like, about selflessness and kindness and choosing the higher path and seeing people for who they are and their souls, and I think we are so brutal to people just because... We're angry at our lives and want to take it out on them. So let's get into how I felt about it when I saw it, how this relates to my overall just celebrity influencer culture. And as I think TikTok gets bigger, influencers get bigger. We can so not only now can like media and journalists make comments and articles about influencers' lives. We make reaction videos on TikTok, and we can spam comment sections on creators' posts. We We now as consumers have the power to cancel people where I think before it was only in the media's power. I'm thinking like 2010s. That was up to media and journalists like tabloids, star, TMZ, which also who works for those magazines? I've never met a person in my life like, my dream is to become a journalist for the tabloids. Like I also kind of want to dig into the psychology of what it takes to make that a living. Because I get being a normal journalist, my friend's a journalist. She covers sports games, events in Milwaukee, like And I think that's incredible. There was a phase in my life, honestly, where I considered being a journalist because I love writing. So I went to like a journalist summer camp at UW-Madison, and you also have to think about the logistics of being a journalist. So when I was in this journalism summer camp, I'm like, what, 11, 12 years old, and even I'm learning that you have a limited word count on the page. You have sometimes maybe like 500 words to make the biggest splash you can, and your headlines must be short like, they told us to take out as few filler words, adjectives as positive, you literally have, if you can make your point in three words, you were, like, the crown jewel of journalism, and obviously, I'm not a journalist, there's probably many more nuances, I do not know, this is based on a seventh grade summer camp, but I remember you would go out, and I would cover the story about a candy factory, a local, like, artisan candy factory in Madison, and I'm a very descriptive writer. As you guys find out how I speak, I go on tangents. I love long metaphor, metaphors describing the setting, things like that. And you can't do that when you have a journalism piece. Your point is to make a point. A good news article is not, oh, I went to this artisan candy factory and I enjoyed it. You have to talk about how their airbrush fabric is one, one of their airbrush techniques for coating the truffles is one of the first of its kind in the entire world. Like you have few words to make to say something, otherwise your story won't get carried. If you're a journalist, that's how you make money. That's how you make a day for yourself. That's how you build a career. So that's like a normal, honest to good journalist. Now I don't think like, Let's bring in the aspect of tabloids. Your job, it's, it's basically the fast fashion of journalism. It is to sell as much as possible, keep up with the trends, move on the next. Like you're already thinking about the next thing before your current thing is done. You're setting up storyline after storyline. So I read a great book. It's called Catch a Falling Star by Kim Culvertson. It's on a normal girl in a small town. A big movie set is being filmed in her town. And the actor from this movie has to fake date a girl from the small town to help fix like his public PR persona. So in dating him, she learns about his life, and I think, I'm obviously not a celebrity, so celebrities love to let me know, but I think it's very true for celebrities that you play three roles. The first is who you really are, is who your true friends and family know you to be, It's who you're lying away alone at night, what you're thinking about, what you want, what truly out of the world, what you're praying for, what you're hoping for, what you're crying over. These is who you are in private. It's who you truly are, who, like, if you have a God, who your God knows you to be. It's, like, who you in your heart you feel and I'm sure for celebrities I gets really confused because you have these two other personas that probably don't let you explore who you fully are yourself the way a normal person can and I think that does kind of create rifts and damages I'm not a therapist or a psychologist for a celebrity but I think it would be really interesting to hear from one and the different problems they face I just think one will never understand so yes these people have amount of fame and money you will never have and that's awesome And that's really, really cool for them. And it's okay to be jealous of that. I think it's okay to admit that they are very honed in into their craft to that point where they get ominous amounts of wealth. But I think fame is almost like a dirty word to me. To me, it gives a very dark connotation because your second persona when you're a celebrity is the one you must put on for the world. It's not if you're an actor. It's not who you are on the screen. It's who you are every time you step out of a limousine and paparazzi cameras snap at you. It's who you are in every single interview. It is the filtered script your PR agency gives you on what to tell the world. And I think, I've mentioned this before, if I was a celebrity, I would not want that to be anything like the person I really am. I don't know if I want to look like this angel mother Teresa. I don't know if I would want to be like this snippy little biatch. I don't know, but I don't think I would want it to be me because I don't think I would want the public to judge who I really am. If I was not like that, that, that intense level of fame. But I'm also torn because I also think authenticity is so important. And if you really are who you truly are, the people who are like meant to love you will love you. And then the people who don't, it's like the trash taking itself out. It's like a human filter on the people meant to be in your life. But that's the thing I think with fame. So in your real world life, I feel like all my true closest friendships and relationships mentors are the ones I didn't really need to try to have. They're the ones where someone just caught me in the moment of being like truly rawly myself and loved it. And we just were there for it to learn that worked. Where I think when you're on the point of being a celebrity, your goal isn't to only find the maybe one fourth of the population that will resonate with you. It, you kind of want everyone to like you, but I don't think that's possible. I think as humans, you're not you're not meant for everyone to like you. Like there, if you don't have any enemies, if you don't have anyone who doesn't like you, then like you, I guess you don't have a conflicting personality, and that's great, but. I think that's very rare. I think most of us do have things someone out there. And I also think, too, that even ties into politics. Like, the point of politics isn't for us all to agree. We're all peoples with different motivations, thoughts, emotions, survival needs that are going to influence why we want a political policy to happen. There will never be a point when we all agree. Like that's literally impossible because so much of how humans still think is based on intrinsic fears and what values to us. And your values will never be the same as your next door neighbors. But I think the politics is to like reach understandings of how we can benefit everyone's survival skills with the limited resources we have. And there will ever be a perfect solution. I think that's naive to think any one political candidate or government system. Ever truly do. And governments, they're also thinking of their own survival. That's why it often becomes bureaucracies and nepotisms, because it's in your kin to protect your own relatives and the people you're related to. You are always going to weigh them over a stranger you don't know. That's just human nature until we can, you know, put AI in charge and take that emotion and the survival out of it. That will truly never happen. So, same with kind of celebrities, there's really no way to please every audience. So, if they are truly authentically themselves, there are going to be people who hate them and then you add in journalists who are spinning the perception so even when you're at your absolute best you could be doing the kindest thing in your heart that makes you feel like the best person you've ever been a tabloid can make that into something sorry when my snooze alarms went off but that a tabloid can make that into something really really ugly oh my gosh I have to leave house in 30 minutes I need to start getting dressed this is no bueno um okay but so I was recently watching the Disney movie *Starstruck*, which I know it's it's a movie, but I think it's very similar to that book *Catch-All Star Wars*. Shows up how bad the paparazzi can be to like really downfalling a relationship if you haven't seen it it's like a young girl goes to California with her family and she runs into this really big celebrity and they get to know each other in like a casual way running from the paparazzi but then once the paparazzi is there he wants to shield her from them by lying and saying he doesn't know her and this really hurts her because she's like I thought we were like getting close I think she had like feelings for him but like he just kind of shut her down and I think that really hurt her but he was really trying to protect her from how cool the paparazzi was and the paparazzi shows up on her door and she sees like what they do and yeah I think this is a kind of overall phenomenon I want to look into like why do paparazzi do what they do like what benefit I guess do you personally get like I've met not like they don't know me they wouldn't know my name but I was in like LA last year when the Netflix show Never Have I Ever was premiering I think it's third season at the time. So, like, I got to see those celebrities. I was at the front line of the ropes. I was actually a little starstruck when I met the actor of Ben. I thought it would be more so for, like, Paxton because he's, like, the heartthrob on the show. But he looks about the same in real life as he does on the show. The actor of Ben, they kind of, like, dumb him down. They had, like, fake pimples and cut his hair shorter for the show. Where, like, the actual actor and his girlfriend there were both, like, stunning people. Like, they were glowing tan. They were, like, beautiful. So, I was like, whoa. Like... So like I've been there, I was been in the presence of someone very big when I was figure skating. A lot of like ex-Olympians actually do ice dancing with young girls. Not that makes them sound like keto. I mean like learning girls learning ice dance. That's just like how they make an income post-Olympics. They get paid a lot of money to do so. And so I got to skate with some Olympic figure skaters, which is an incredible experience and something I'll like from forever. They were all so, so nice. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Jason Brown from from the U.S. I put him on the ice once when I was working a figure skating competition. So I've been in the presence of people I've really, really looked up to. And I even call myself kind of feeling bad. Like, wow, I don't really want to bug them. Like, this is their life. Like, it's on and I'm here for them. But, like, I don't do anything for them. They've done so much for me. Like, I'm just honestly happy they're in my life. And just because I meet them, it doesn't really change who they are my perception of them it's like everything they've done up to the point they've met me it's who they were in competition or who they were in my favorite show or movies or whatever um so like sure I go a little weak at the knees but like I think we should talk about how there's like some human phenomena that overtakes some people that makes us act like completely crazy if a celebrity is around and why that is like what you're projecting from your own life that makes me be so obsessed with someone else, because I really think celebrity cultures is very similar to a fandom of, like, a movie or TV show. Like, I think being obsessed with Lord of the Rings isn't that different than being obsessed with Taylor Swift. Either way, like, in a way, it's a fantasy universe. You're not there. You don't know it. It's not really about you. You just need as an outlet to forget what you're doing in your daily life, which is fine. Like, I'm obsessed with Gossip Girl, and it's because I don't, I want to pretend I'm an Upper East Side baby. It's like when I was little and played... Princess, like I want to be an upper east side trust fund baby and go to Met Galas every night. Like, that's why I watch Gossip Girl. Like, I do. It's it's escapism. Truly, is what celebrity culture is. And I don't think that's talked about enough. I think people think they have a right to these people's lives, and you don't any more than like you have a right to someone else's book and writing the ending of it. Like, it's it's not yours. Like, okay, hear me for a second. Here with my book analogy. So the point of books. I'm J.K. Rowling. Okay, I just wrote Harry Potter. I had this idea. I was in a coffee shop. I came up with a story of a boy in the wizarding world. I write it on a napkin. I love writing. I've tried a few other adult books. I haven't really taken off. So I'm like, let's do this. I feel a calling in my heart. I just, I kind of want to do it. I love writing. I want to explore it. So I go do it. I go write this book. I have a publisher. They read it. They like it. My friends and family read it. They love it. So I'm like, okay, it's going live. Let's just see what happens. Put in the public's hand. Either way, like I've already enjoyed the process. Like you guys are all falling in love with Harry Potter the full first time. She's already fallen in love and then gotten sick of Harry Potter. Like I'm done. Like I'm washing my hands off. I'm writing the next novel. Like I'm I'm moving on. But you guys are all experiencing it for the first time. Already, I think before the meet sorry, I'm curling my hair and dropping her irons. But, like, before the media even gets to it, you're almost, you know, at the point when you're, like, editing an Instagram picture so much, you end up hating the picture because you've just been, like, in it too much? I think you're already, I don't know, I'm not an author, I feel like you're probably already at that point by the time... Or, like, I remember figure skating, when we had to do, like, a full run of our program, when you do the full thing with, like, music, we would all, like, grow. One, because it's, like, athletically hard, but also, like, you know, you would think that would be the point of why we were competing would be to do the full run, but it's also, like, a lot of it is just the sport. It's the writing of the book or whatever, if you're a celebrity, it's whatever it was that made you a celebrity. It's, like, going to practice, it's doing the whole lifestyle around it, more so than the final product, so... I write this book, I put it out there. So the first thing that's going to happen is I'm going to become a New York Times bestseller or whoever reviews those. So there's some somewhat qualified person who is going to go and review my work and give it a rating. Then the public's going to have it and they are going to post online Amazon reviews or they are going to email me and they're going to do whatever they want to make their opinion heard on whether or not they like my book, which is fine. They are entitled to do so. I, I release something to the public. it's I own it, but like they have a right to read it and consume it. They don't have like a right to really change it or anything. Like They didn't write it. But they have a right to feel however it makes them feel. That's absolutely fine. So the somewhat qualified person, these are like the journalists for celebrities. They're someone who somewhat specializes in making a celebrity into a celebrity. Fine. But then the public is also going to have an opinion. And that's also fine. But these are two waves of things normal people don't have to worry about. Like, when I go to work every day and I type away on Excel, there is a very limited group of people who that impacts, mostly my boss and my clients, like, my vendors. That's really it. It is a very finite group of people. Like, I could probably fit them all into my apartment. It wouldn't be that hard. And, like, yes, it does impact the company overall, but, like, there's a million clothing companies, and it's okay. Where, like, when you put a book out, technically, it has the potential to reach every person on this earth. Like, if if it's public, it's public. So... That's just, like, I think something people don't acknowledge more is, like, we can give things critiques, but I think we should also, like, keep in mind, in general, just with anything. Like, I, when I was a summer camp counselor, I still stick with this phenomenon so much. Say as um, one of my child, when I was a summer camp counselor, was, like, acting up. I need to have a talk with their parents about it. Like, hey, little Billy slaps Susie straight across the face. You would never just tell a parent that at pickup. We were trained to always give the parent a compliment sandwich. Like, hey, so Billy did so much better about lining up before lunch today. He We did have this little incident during nap time where he just smacked Susie's blind out of nowhere for no reason. And she started crying. So I think we should probably talk about his behavior really quick. But, yeah, after that, the rest of the day, he was great and was so much better at listening to directions. And he did apologize to her. So, like... Let's also acknowledge, like, before we, like, send hate, let's send, like, a little love on either side of it. Like, let's put twice as much love out as we ever do hate. So, it is fine to feel hurt by something. Like, I, so let's go back to my Matt Reif example. I know Matt Reif has, like, said controversial things. And if you remember, everything in media is taken out of context. Everything's meant to make a bit splash, especially in what he's doing. Those of you that don't know, Matt Reif is a very young, aspiring comedian. You can look him up on TikTok. I think he's made me laugh before. I won't lie. He's done things that I thought were funny. He had a very large female following in the beginning. So early on, I was just finding out about him. Like his clips were just coming on my For You page. I didn't follow him or anything. Kind of wanted to see who he was. I'm just interested in comedians. I think they are cool. So um, I went and looked him up on a podcast. I want to hear more like long form content of him organically. So I really like podcasts. You just kind of like, feels like you're kind of just sitting down at coffee with the person. It's the closest you can really get. So there was a podcast that came out from the Laugh Factory. So that's a real comedy agency. It's not like an influencer interviewing him or anything. Um, and so he just kind of talked about his upbringing. So I was talking about In My Bed when I got that to do this podcast. is like when I see Matt Reif, I see a kid with like gold in his eyes. Like he has a goal that he's had from a young age it's something I really, really don't understand. Is like if he was an NBA player or like in the NFL or something. I feel like a lot of the things he was saying and doing, no one would blink an eye. Like basketball athletes do the stuff he's doing. All the time. And to me, I guess I don't really see that differently. I know a sport is physically a lot more practice and physical work, but also he put a lot of work into his comedy. If you listen to his like laugh factory thing, he moved away from home at a really young age. I remember it was like 15, 16 or like 18, but either way, like the time you're going to college and like learning to make all of your mistakes in a very like private safe sanction in the like grounds of education and like you're in this closed off campus he's doing it like in public in comedy shows in LA which I think let's start there that's hard that's like leaving high school right away to go do a sport like you're immediately out in the real world with kind of no job stability and you're taking a huge risk so no matter like what person you become like you can still acknowledge that that is a very big risk and I do agree that like there's a great um saying in Gossip Girl I think about a lot when like I think it's Jenny's mom or dad tells her, like, as you get older, every decision you make kind of becomes a part of who you're going to become. I think that's so important, too. When you are a celebrity, like, you should still be a good person, like, obviously. But not everyone in the world is a good person. So, obviously, not everyone who's famous is going to be a good person. So, it's kind of naive to think they all would. And, like, so I think the problem with Matt Wright is... He King's been a comedian. I think a lot of his following on TikTok was from girls. I think he kind of played the sensitive card to the girls. When I see him, I see the kid who is like very insecure. He's not taking the beaten path. He's making his own path for himself. Not many kids at that young of an age know they want to do comedy. I don't think it's the most like respected thing amongst men. Like, I was actually just listening to Taylor Lautner on the Caller Daddy podcast yesterday. He was bullied for being the guy in Cheaper by the Dozen and Shark Boy. And then he got Jacob from Twilight. I bet honestly people in high school still made fun of that. Like, Men taking these not softer, but you know what I mean, like it's not really something their guy friends usually until they make it big would like support, so I'm sure that was a hard mental struggle for him, and yeah, so, and I see a guy like he's talked about it many times before, and he also reminds me of one of my close guy friends where um he talks about how he used to not be confident in his looks, and I think most people think he's like playing it up for the bit. I think personally that that comes from like a very genuine place of insecurity he really used to feel. I think he really used to not feel sufficient, hot, manly enough. And I think that's where a lot of his jokes come from. Because, so there's a great line in Friends when Chandler says that, like, he's only funny because of his childhood trauma. And I know Friends is a TV show, but that's kind of stuck with me where I do think a lot of people are funny because they're a little damaged. Like, it's a coping mechanism, and it's a great coping mechanism. I love comedy. I love someone who can make me laugh. I love it when I can make other people laugh. I think it's phenomenal. But, um... Yeah so like I think to be as funny as he is he's had to see some stuff. You you obviously will never know and it's not also it's not up to you to know. Like I also say it's not your responsibility don't be creepy don't go looking up his childhood trauma and like stalking his therapist. It's also not your responsibility to know like you have your own problems to deal with. It's great he can distract you from them, but I think there's a point when that distraction becomes toxic and it's becoming one of your own problems. So, but let's talk about all the like very real reasons why girls and he's being canceled, and like kind of walk through them and why I think if it was an NBA athlete doing the same thing, I don't know if they'd be receiving the same heat, and I just don't think I don't know if he should be being punished for just learning because he's learning at a very public stage. I don't know how old he is. I would guess like twenty five maybe, but like I don't know. A lot of us probably, I'm hoping this is podcast are around that age, but like reflect back on this when you're like 50, would you want to be penalized for every mistake you made when you were 25? Like, I know I went not want some of the mistakes I made in my social life in college or in high school held against me now. Like, it's just, we're always constantly learning. So I think to have like, let's give people like a little bit of falling room. Let's give them like a little trampoline net to trip before we like completely tear them down and fall them off the cliff. Like, you know, like, let's also, I've always hated like the concept of cancel culture. There was, I was at Lollapalooza one year and I forget who it was that was performing. I think maybe it was Boogie with a Hoodie. That could be wrong. I know it was, like, a kind of rapper, and so right before Lollapalooza, he got, like, canceled online. I think he said something. I really, truly don't remember what it was, but so he couldn't perform at Lolla anymore because people were, like, threatening to throw shoes at him and stuff like that, which is fine. I think what he said was slightly insensitive, so I, whatever, But then Miley Cyrus posted something so good, I think I screenshotted it, I should go back and try and find it, but she posted something that was like, hey, maybe instead of, like, canceling people every time they make a mistake, let's maybe, like, teach them how to learn from it. Because if all you do is cancel them, they're not going to get better. They are just not going to be in the public eye anymore and keep being a little shitbag where maybe if we give them the chance to learn and grow be like hey that wasn't cool like fix that and give them a chance to like apologize and grow as people like maybe that would be a lot better and I just agreed with that a lot and like like I said you don't really ever know the full story when you see things out of context like even sometimes I watch celebrity interviews and even when I'm watching like previews of The Bachelor, you can tell stuff has been cut out. Like it is naive to think you're being given the truth when you see anything online, literally anything. And you, the thing is, too, you'll never know the truth. It doesn't matter how much research you do; you can become an expert on it. There will always be another side, another hack, act, blah, 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 another fact like remaining unturned. And that's okay. Like I think it's okay to embrace the mystery of what is going on. So, firstly, I think, like, the cancel Matt Rice stuff, I think where that's coming from is a lot of his early audience was, like, younger girls who thought he was super cute and he was kind of, like, a girl's girl, or a girl's guy, I guess. Where he was kind of, he had this sweeter, feminine, sympathetic energy, and I think they were mad when that went away. And the thing is, though, maybe he was never really like that. Maybe he did that, he put that face on to get you as an audience member, maybe who he is now is the real person he always was, and if he'd been that way from the beginning, you wouldn't be so mad, because a primary instance I'm thinking of is, I listened to the Stiff Socks podcast, so like I said, I was looking for Matt Rife podcast, because I'd seen him a few times on my TikTok for you page, made me laugh, I was like, who's this comedian, I want to know more about him, so I listened to Laugh Factory's podcast, and I saw him on Stiff Socks, that's actually how I found the Stiff Socks podcast, and so clearly I'm biased because, like, I like Sip Socks. I like Trevor Wallace. My boyfriend doesn't like Trevor Wallace. Like, it's, like, it's, everyone has their own kind of comedy. But he likes like Burt Kreischer, I think. We watched this comedy special. Burt made me laugh. But it's not really, like, my type of comedy. My boyfriend loves, like, the Seth Rogan. I don't know, the Three Bears, One Cave podcast. Um, and I've, like, tried to listen to it. Every time my boyfriend's fell in the car, I've honestly fallen asleep. We're just different people. It, it's not saying that those creators aren't funny. They're just not. i watch Gossip Girl eight times a day, okay? Like, we're just different. So, um, I'm listening to the Stiff Socks podcast, and I personally like it, it's totally fine, you know, it's literally fine, but I'm listening to Matt Rafe's episode on it, and, like, so he's talking apart about, like, women's bodies and what he prefers, like, how curvy he wants them, and he's joking with, like, the little skin flap on a girl's downstairs area, and how he's making a joke about like playing thumb war with it. I won't lie to you, all of my peers coming, I was in the car listening to that episode, and I shed a few tears. I was like, wow, I didn't realize guys think about this, and it grosses them out that much. And I started thinking about, like, I haven't thought about my body like that in a long, long time. Like, I'm with a stable boyfriend who tells me I'm beautiful all the time, and, like, I think I'm above average confident for a girl. I don't have, like, a ton of I mean, everyone has insecurities, but I think my body isn't really one of them. Like, I'm very thankful it works every day. And I think for some people, being an athlete, especially in sports like dance and figure skating, can make body image a lot worse. I think in my case, it made it better. Like, my body helped me achieve my dreams of being, like, an international figure skater. So I was always very thankful. Like, my body really was a temple. I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you. Or even now, when I go to work, I'm so thankful for my brain and my legs to walk in that office and Give me to all the dreams I want to accomplish or like I love art so I'm so thankful to like my hand and my mind that I can paint such beautiful things so I've always been very thankful I haven't really thought about my body that way in a really long time so I'm not even gonna lie; it made me cry like a lot of people were like making jokes like Matt Riff makes girls cry I was like yeah I, I did cry but so the reason it made me cry is because I remembered that all boys think like that like, all boys talk about that. So, once again, I'm with my boyfriend. I wasn't really so sad about him because he's comforted me about that before. But it was more just like any guy I've heard that was before. I'm like, oh, did they notice that? Do they talk to their friends about that? Do they think those things? So, I think that's what happened even Trevor Walson admits on a later podcast and this is exactly what went through my head too when I heard it. like this is boys locker room talk like boys talk like this every single day and like maybe that's a problem with like men but like also girls do it to guys we like compare their pp sizes to each other like we do it too like it's I don't think it's just men objectifying women I think it's just a human condition of relating with your friends like it's just something about being a young adult and an adolescent and discovering sexuality like it's honestly, nothing that weird. What's weird is that it was on a public podcast, and he has a large female following, and it hurt them. I think that's what made it weird, because I know for a fact, when I heard that, I was like, this is something my guy friends talk about, like, all the time with the girls they're seeing. This is, like, if this had it not been publicized, this would really, really, truly not be that weird. It just, unfortunately, it is on the public situation. I don't think, like, Trevor Wallace and the other podcast hosts did, like, a bad thing by not cutting it out. I think, they, they gave us the Matt Rife interview and experience. I'm sure there's guys out there who related and found it funny. That's what I'm saying with celebrities is, like, you can't expect everything that comes out of their mouth to relate to you. They're going to say things you don't relate to, you don't agree with. I think that's actually a very beautiful part of the human condition is that we're not all the same, and we all have different minds and priorities, and they can be discussions, not necessarily, like, I think the problem is when you take it personal. So, like I said, I started crying because I started thinking of my body, but, like, Matt Rife isn't up there. Critiquing me. He's just saying what he wants to say. And like chances are, like, maybe if we still saw each other, that doesn't mean he wouldn't be like attracted to me. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't really mean anything out of the context of how he says it. It's just something he said once and like left it alone, you know? So that was I think the first instance I heard of him being canceled. So instead I'm scrolling on Instagram and I see the plan B thing about how a girl was crying at a bar because I think Matt Reif was talking to other girls while they were dating. So I think I have kind of a line with this. If they were exclusively dating, like, he's telling her, like, hey, I love you. We're boyfriend, girlfriend. Like, then, yeah, then that's very wrong to be talking to other girls. But once again, NBA athletes do it all the time. So kind of a thin line there. But still, like, I agree. Like, as a person, thing to do, that's wrong. You should not be, like, if you say you're exclusive, then, like, be exclusive. Like, there's no need to lie. Like, there's other girls who won't be exclusive with you. Go find it. But say they were just like in the talking stage. So I think Bree was complaining that like, or not Brie, I think it's the other girl. I don't really know their two names. I feel really bad. But um, the other girl was comp- saying that, like, he flew her, this girl who was crying out at the bar, out for, like, Valentine's Day and was really, like, love-bombing her. Which also, I don't think guys are smart enough to know they're love-bombing. Like, one of my friends' therapists once, like, told her, like, oh, he's, like, love-bombing you. Like, he knows what he's doing. I don't know. I have a lot of guy friends. And, I mean, they're not every guy. None of them are manipulative. Psychopaths, so I wouldn't be friends with them. But I don't really think not saying they're not emotionally intelligent, they're just not emotionally manipulative in that way where I think they would ever know they were love bombing a girl. Like most of my guy friends, like if say one of my friends is talking to my guy friends, like why is not he texting me back? Like is he talking to someone else? I'm like bro he barely pulled you. Genuinely there's like nothing going through his head. He's not thinking about you. He's thinking about like video games or school. It's not that he doesn't like you. He's literally just like like girls when we have a crush we think about them all day all night. I think some guys are like that. To be fair, I do think there are some men who are that way. I think a lot of them are just like, they think about you and they think about you and they don't when they don't. Like, it's not anything personal. It's just like, it takes a while to gain their attention. They're like, my mom's always told me like, boys are like puppies and you literally have to train them. It's so true. Like a puppy loves whatever person gives him food and water in front of him and gives him hugs and snuggles. Like, But then once you're gone, the puppy has no idea and it goes to the next person. Like, they're you know, you kind of just have to mold them a little bit and it's a cute way, we love puppies, they're adorable, and we want to give them love and attention, because they're so freaking cute, but they're puppies, and so, like I said, I don't know the situation, so I think if he was exclusive with this girl, and was, like, cheating on her, then, yeah, obviously, that's bad, and I would not respect him for doing that, I don't know the situation, and I'll truly never know the situation, everything I'll ever know is hearsay, and also, I don't really care that deep, like, it's not my relationship, Like, okay, screw over whoever you want, like, Doesn't really impact my life. Says something about you and maybe whether or not my friends will invite me to go to a comedy show with you. Like, as of right now, I think my friends are saying, like, oh, let's go see Matt Wright. But I don't think any of them would have in the first place anyways. But um, where was I going with this? Oh, so she was so mad, but I was like, okay, if he was just in the talking stage with this girl, just going on dates, I'm thinking if I'm in his shoes, if I'm a guy who's been insecure from a young age, and I'm scrawny, and not in a masculine field, and other guys don't respect me, then out of nowhere, I get this huge overnight female following, and I've been grinding my butt to get this exact thing. I've been putting videos out online, which used to scare me. That was my foundation. I- every time I do these morning get ready it's not really a get ready with me video but like every time I get ready in the morning and talk to you guys something squirts out right in front of the speaker and it sounds like diarrhea anyways probably doesn't even sound that bad I'll see when I edit this audio later but like okay so say they're just introducing themselves and you're this guy who just got freshly famous you're getting all this female attention you've never had before and you have an insecurity problem you probably should have gone to therapy for it and figured out other ways to validate it but you have this, like, need for validation, and lots of girls are willing to give it to you, I'm not saying he did the right thing, I'm not saying he's a good person, but I'm not saying I would really be a better person, you know, we're like, I think I might be just because I don't really have the patience, and if, like, one guy tells me I'm pretty, I get, like, really attached really fast, like, I just want the one, but also, I have a different upbringing, I have a different sense of myself, like, I can't really relate, but... If I was in those shoes, I don't know if I'd be a better person. I might be dating every hot girl who I had the chance to, too. And if I had the money to fly her out and love bomb her, like, in quotes, take her on nice dates, um, I think I would. Um, I don't know that I'd do better. And like I said, NHL, NBA, NFL players do it all the time. they I have a friend who dated a guy in the NBA, so this isn't coming out of my butthole. And one of my friends, her dad works in the NHL. I always mix up NFL and NHL. So, like, I li- I've, i like, heard firsthand stories. I've also heard, if you're curious, in the NHL, there's two kinds of guys. They're the kinds who, like, settle down with their college high school sweetheart and never, like, bat an eye another girl. Or there's the guys who will, like, never outgrow their Peter Pan syndrome and always have, like, a million low-commitment, high-distance, whatever the Barbie thing is, girlfriends. And so I think Matt Rive is having his low-commitment, high-distance girlfriends that a lot of athletes have. And when they do it, it's not an issue. And there's, like, oh, I can't remember which comedian makes this skit. But, like, most professions, you don't have to say that, like, you're joking. In comedy, it should be implied. But in comedy, you have to say, like, by the way, like, these are jokes. Like, just because it's comedy, it doesn't really make him different than anyone else. Or, like, Leo DiCaprio. There's all the memes of him, like, dating 25-year-olds. And, like, sure, he's getting public hate for it. But it's being spun in, like, a funny way. And everyone's still gonna, like, fawn over him. And, like, the Titanic and in the Gatsby and things like that. So, like... I just think it's interesting that we're fixing on Matt Rice. I think we should see why. I think it's because we really thought he was, like, one of the girly pops. Like, we thought he was, like, our comedian. He was our male representation. He's this great-looking guy who respects women. Maybe he never respected women. Or maybe he still does. Maybe he's amazing to his mom and his friends who are girls. We we don't know. All we know is, like, what he puts out in public. So I think that's something he's getting a lot of heat for, too, is that, like, I haven't watched his Netflix special. I heard his Netflix special. He opens the domestic abuse joke which is obviously, like, probably not funny, but I don't know, I haven't heard it, so I can't really make a judgment on it, um, but, like, then don't watch it, you know, like, there are so many shows, like, I find South Park offensive, like, and one of my best friends loves South Park, like, I feel like the brain cells leave my body when I watch adult cartoons, besides Family Guy, and even Family Guy's not that smart, but, like, I think Family Guy's funny, but other than, like, there's other shows that I also, like, don't find funny or entertaining, but then I just don't watch them. Like, you know what I mean? I just think, overall, to all celebrities. Matt Wright was just the example that kind of spiraled this chat and I was kind of using to prove my point. What like what do we have within ourselves that we are needing to use escapism to obsess over other celebrities? I've to seen a whole other video about this. I don't even know if I wanna talk about it. I don't think I know enough. But also like Taylor Swift, I think she's a great singer. I saw the 1989 tour. It's literally I was also at a writing summer camp. This was creative writing at UW Madison. This was in like eighth grade, I think. Um uh and so I saw a Taylor Swift concert in the middle of the summer camp with one of my friends from the camp and I literally wrote an essay about like finding the meaning of life and it's about finding those moments of joy and connection when everyone in the stadium can sing the same song as you and are waving your light up wristbands in the air at the same time I literally thought I figured out the meaning of life and it was just to find those like happy heart-filling moments and make as many of them as possible like I literally found the meaning of life at the Taylor Swift concert but I'm still not like obsessed with the middle name of our cats like I just and trust me I had a phase everyone who knew me in middle school knows I was obsessed with One Direction It was gonna be like oh no we all were no like my pencil case had Mrs. Harry Styles like I, I she, he wasn't even my favorite my favorite was Niall I was just obsessed with all of them I was absolutely obsessed with One Direction so I was there I was 13 you know so like there's a difference where like when we all become reasonable adults I think we should know better at this point to have a little compassion for other humans and for their work and then once you give them that compliment sandwich like find the true merit in what they're doing and if you still find fault in it then I think that fault is deserved but I think to jump right to the fault to be mad to be mad I don't think it's okay and ethical that's my take on it um I hope that this was interesting controversial I don't know but yeah let me know your guys thoughts um hope you guys all have so much love joy and purpose throughout your day and yeah see you guys later i'm actually hopping on my first ever charter jet right now it's not as exciting as it sounds um for work we have to work in the stores for my retail store and so we're taking like a one-hour flight to a place that would be a three-hour drive so if we like drove there during the day to do like six hours of the eight-hour work day so we're just flying but yeah i'm excited see you guys later bye okay actually i digress on ending the episode i feel like i wasn't just done discussing what i want to discuss at first i was thinking about calling this episode cancel cancel culture but i'm really trying to do is like not make us cancel anything i'm saying like let's discuss and converse instead of canceling you know what i mean like let's better society because i think a lot of why we do cancel culture is because we observe something a celebrity does as a reflection of the real life so like we don't like that Matt Rife objectified girls. I think that's a great thing to be against in general. That like woman objectification. That should not be a thing. So I think it is fine to have those conversations about the human condition, but let's like recognize that that's what we're doing and not take it out on a person. Like they're literally just a tiny person. If you think about it, we are the weakest animal in the world. Like a pigeon could peck our eyes out. A squirrel could bite us and give us rabies. The only reason we're powerful because we've like harnessed technology. And sure, there are some very like strong people out there. There are some very strong, great fighting, good survival instincts people out there. I'm not one of them. All about you. I'm not one of them. If you put me alone in the middle of the woods, I'd be dead by tomorrow. Probably sooner. Probably like eat a berry wrong. I don't know. So let's just remember, like, we're weak. We are feeble people with sensitive hearts and sensitive feelings. And I don't think it's going to get better within one lifetime. But to me, it just, in a way, it kind of gives me the ick. I think it's just ugly and gross to either tear people down or put them on too big of a pedestal when, sure, some of them might do things harder than what you do. Like, I personally could not perform in a stadium for millions of people. Or I could not swim what Michael Phelps can swim. So some of them do do feats of humanity that a normal person can't do and they deserve praise for that. But I don't think we should put their moral character on a pedestal because, like, at the heart, we're all, like, on an equal level of, like, soul-level goodness and badness. We all have, like, the equal potential for good and bad. And I think people should deserve some praise but they pick the good and deserve a discussion when they pick the bad to, like, prevent more people from following that same path and shouldn't be idolized when they do something bad. But also, rappers rap all the time about objectifying women. So I just wonder sometimes where the standards come from. And I think that's something important to keep in mind. When, when you're feeling hurt by something a celebrity does, are you hurt by, like, the celebrity influencer public figure or are you hurt by something else in your own life and can you do something about it like truly, can you fix it is there something you can work on in yourself before you like take out something online and this is nothing against what like the plan brie podcast said at all i think it was awesome that she voiced his opinion and put something out there about what happened to a girl it's a socially timely topic right now and i feel very bad for that girl i hope no boy ever makes her cry again so i don't think there's anything wrong but like I think instead of kind of approaching it with this, like, bashing cancel way, which I don't even think Bree did it, or the girl on Planner Breeze podcast, um, I think it was more people in the comments who spun it that way. Let's just kind of take things, everything with grains of salt, salt and season all your steaks before you cook. Like, you know, just remember how it makes you look and how it's going to make you feel and affect your life to rip someone else down. Because you never know, it could be you. So that's all. I think that kind of more productively said than I wanted to say. So, yeah, bye, y'all. Okay, as I'm listening back to my kind of cancel, cancel culture episode, um, a few more things came to mind I didn't mention. One thing with the Matt Ripe thing, so let's start with the Netflix documentary. This is a point I've talked about before, but I don't think I get into the episode. Um, so he opens a documentary with a domestic abuse joke. I still haven't listened to it. I don't know. I also haven't even listened to like Trevor Wallace's um, live show yet. I just, I've been watching other stuff, but I have been like grinding on this NBA project. But I think, like, he is too talented and has too big of a team to set himself up to fail. When I was in L.A., I met the most interesting girl. Her literal job, I think she was, like, a psychology, sociology major in college. Her literal job is she worked for, I don't remember which studio. Let's say Fox Studios. is one of the big studios. And her literal job was she would watch movies a year or two, like, Marvel movies, like, big movies, years or two before they would ever come out to the public and she was in these focus groups and she would like tell the producers what parts were controversial like what things you know they could be canceled for I guess and so like big movies and media companies they already know the calculated risks they're taking when they do something like I don't know if you remember when Nike sponsored Colin Kaepernick after he like kneeled during the football games at the national anthem everyone thought that was such a big risk they're like why would nike work with this guy he's so like politically controversial but nike already ran the stats on who their customer was and they knew they wouldn't lose their customer if they sponsored him like it's really not that controversial there's always calculated pr and so a lot of people have been saying online that for this matt rife example that like this comedy special was a lot more male oriented but a lot of his audience was female so like why would he do that Why was turns back on his female audience It could be an accident. He could have truly messed up. But I have a feeling it's probably a calculated risk from a PR team. Like some manager had to approve his documentary. Like there is too many people involved to just let it go. I think that with things too, like Balenciaga, when they released that really controversial campaign with like the teddy bears, that looked a little bit like sex toys. That's really really weird and messed up to me. I saw another post where they posted one of their Adidas Balenciaga collaboration bags on an office desk, which to me doesn't make sense. If you look up the bag, it looks sporty. Like I don't know, look like something you would bring courtside to a basketball game. It doesn't look like something you would bring to the office. It wouldn't even fit anything office related. But it was on a desk, and apparently one of the papers on the desk had something to do relating to a case that like outlawed or enabled something about child pornography. I'm not there's gonna be a lot of glitter this episode. But, um, like, I just don't understand how so many executives at a really high up fashion company would let that go. You know what I mean? I don't know what the intention was of it because I do think that was very bad PR. But I don't, maybe their target customer is okay with that. I don't know. But like, and then recently something really came out where Zara put up pictures of models where I think the models were predominantly white, at least in all the pictures I saw. And then there were kind of like body bags next to them. And a lot of them did look like pictures that were also released about what's going on in Gaza right now. And like, how did someone on Zara's team do that? And when I think of these Zara and Balenciaga examples, what purpose did those images show? If they weren't connecting back to something controversial, what was the point of them? You know, like, they, the pictures didn't look that good. I didn't think they were edited very well. I didn't think it showed the merchandise in a particularly interesting or impactful way. Something had to have been going on that we're not being clued in on. Like, something we're not allowed to know. So, I think all PR is calculated risk. That's one thing I wanted to talk about, too. Like, anything you see about... Celebrities online you're being lied to and also i was realizing like who is my audience for this podcast like is my friends listening to this podcast me and my friends don't really talk celebrity drama that much or celebrity gossip and even i think making an episode about it, it makes me look like shallower something it's not really even my friends who this is for i i don't think my little podcast here is going to change how people act online and it's very easy to hide hide behind screens we all know that that's why cyberbullying like is an issue and like I don't know. I think sometimes when we're this brutal on celebrities, it's, it's hyperbullying And I'm also just like, I think I'm getting kind of sick and burnt out of how fake media is. I honestly don't even like listening to the news or like following political campaigns and things like that. Cause I just feel like I'm being lied to. I can feel the puppet master pulling at my strings. Like with every word I can feel like how I'm being manipulated to think the way that I am. Like, I think it is really hard. Like, so I'm- also, I know a few episodes I've talked about how like I was born in Israel. My friend, my family went to college in Israel. I've met real people who have grown up there their whole lives. I think right now it's a huge conflict right now with what's going on in Israel and Gaza, and I've truly tried to understand it, and understand how I feel about it. Because obviously, my family talks to me about it, to be very biased. I do have grandparents who still live there, so like a big priority for us is like their safety. Are they okay? But also, I also just have sympathy for people in general. Like no matter who they are, where they live, like I just think in general and this isn't a new thing i think anytime there's been a conflict regarding israel like my heart hurts for it or i'm with russia and ukraine like it just sucks that people have to hurt at the hands of somebody else and so when i was trying to figure out like what was going on what i shouldn't shouldn't believe it was generally really hard to find articles about it and like i think i know this because i've taken writing classes i've learned a little bit about how like journalism works or I've also learned like from the business side how easily statistics aren't faked but they're definitely like influenced I would say like you can pull from a certain database of people so you don't get certain answers or you can like exclude certain results like you know when and- science class when you learned about like the scientific setup of a lab and how you need controlled variables, you can kind of control the outcome of any statistic you want. So like, I remember when I was doing business consulting, say we want our clients to start a TikTok campaign and we were giving them a presentation on why they should, we would just not include any stats that showed why they shouldn't. We wouldn't include case studies of brands who failed to go viral on TikTok. We would include the ones that were relative to the brand and were successful. Or like, I even recently made a comparison chart for an MBA project of like brands, in the niche of what we are going for to show where there was a blank in the marketplace. If there was some really small, not yet well-known competitor that does do exactly what we want to do, I would probably just leave them off the map, honestly. Like, it's very easy to hide information. So I think it's really hard to take anything at face value. And I think... I think for me personally, I'm interested in celebrities, especially the fashion aspect, but like the comedic aspect, like it's cool to get to know about these people's lives, but I don't like the air that almost anything they do is going to respond to be more dramatic, more negative, more lied to. Like I know we'll never get the full truth. I just wish there was kind of a better, I just wish the media wasn't so vicious and hard on them, I think is my main point. I don't know what we can do to change that, but it's just thoughts and feelings I've been having. we like- like, so you do you ever go on Snapchat and you see the thing on the right where it's like these headlines. Sometimes I'll see the story from like a larger concept. Like I've already seen it in a true article or in a video or something. Then I see the Snapchat, the header Snapchat chose to use. And it just, it feels so silly. Like you can tell it's dramatic. Like you can see the rumor mill spinning. Like you can see how they're taking something out of context. Like there was an episode of Olivia Rodrigo on Jimmy Fallon where she was talking about how like, once she accidentally followed her ex on Instagram. She doesn't follow anybody. So it was really obvious. And like, then this title Snapchat took from that. It's this whole comedy skit with Jimmy Fallon. And it's super funny. Or it's not skit. I don't think it was scripted, but like you guys get it. But then the Snapchat article was like, Olivia follows or stalks her ex on Instagram. Like, yes, that is what happened. But like, you know, when you write it out that way, like you're getting a different reaction. So it's just, I think, I don't know exactly what the answer is or how I want to change, but I think there's I know a lot of my like, philosophical quotes like i from Gossip Girl, but I think a lot of them are very good. Where there's one where like Chuck's dad is talking to him and he's like, hey, if you're soft in private, you're soft in public. Like you really can't differentiate who you are across different lives as much as people like to think we can. So like if you're mean to celebrities and like gossiping about them, what does that say about who you are as a person? Like you might think you can separate your person at home and then not, but like maybe you can't as well as you think you can. I don't know, but I just think when you're being, be mindful, I guess, when you're taking in information, be aware that it's censored. And then when you're repeating that information, remind like what that says about you. Like I've always thought if you call someone beautiful, it's a psychological thing that the person you tell, like, I think Selena Gomez is beautiful. That person kind of sees you as beautiful. Like what you say about other people really reflects the other person about how you see yourself. So when you're saying ugly things about ugly people, that honestly looks really ugly on you and how you want to be perceived or like, say I'm talking to someone and they're absolutely bashing a celebrity, like tearing them apart. I'm like, well, how do you talk about your friends? Do you also tear them down behind their backs? Like it just shows what kind of a person they are. So I think it's just something I let's celebrate more the good things celebrities do and not try and use them as like little pawns for our own self-release. Let's fix our own problems and that celebrities have theirs and just like you know, you can still be fascinated by their drama. I'm not one to say I've never gossiped about celebrities or something. It's because it's an escape from my real life. But let's remember sometimes they are real people and I think No stop, you guys. I was so on the thing with this podcast. So I filmed those clips you've heard like a few days ago and I'm scrolling through Instagram. Um, I see a video playing Brian Cut and me really like they're so funny. Like I've only listened to a few episodes of theirs. One was with, like the octopus lover guy. And um there was one with they had on this comedian who I like on TikTok and he made fun of, like, Cole Sprouse's interview on Call her Daddy, and I, like, they're a very, very good podcast, so I just wanted to, like, make that very clear that, like, what I was, like, not even mad about, like, what I was, I guess, discussing that I was reminded by a clip of her podcast is, like, how harsh we are on celebrities, and, like, we'll never know the whole story, and, like, it's fine, like, it's entertaining, but I think just, like, recognizing, that, like, we're using it as entertainment, it's, but it is a real person's life. But anyways, I was so on to one with like cancel culture and PR being controlled because I, so I watched the Play and Brie video. It's like their best of 2023 clips. It was very cute, good podcast. But the next video right under it is an ad from Disney Plus and it's like a documentary on Balenciaga. And so you guys, I don't know if you know or don't know, Balenciaga got in like some PR heat because they posted these pictures of like, teddy bears with like sex toy harnesses on them and everyone was like that is so messed up that they would like market a kid toy in this way and I remember the same time these Balenciaga ad campaigns came out so Louis Vuitton also came out with a ton of kids toys but they were like bears they had nothing you with like sex clothes but I was like where is why are all of these brands like doing all these campaigns based on baby things Disney, like the Disney plus is doing a documentary on Balenciaga. And I literally knew when like the sex toy bears were released, I'm like way too many high up level people have to clear things for Balenciaga to post it for they would never post something that risky. It was controlled PR. You were supposed to get mad at Balenciaga because now Balenciaga became like a household name because of that. Disney would never... They are a kid's brand. Disney, at least Disney, like I'm thinking of like the one Walt Disney made that made Magical World of Disneyland in the old cartoons. I do think Disney has changed since um Walt last... And this is a whole episode I want to do one time is like the sustainability of things like after Coco Chanel passes away or once the original founder of a really big thing leaves like Steve Jobs with Apple how do you make something that lasts so long that exceeds your lifetime that's hard to do it is so hard to make a brand or an idea big enough that someone can succeed and fall after you like no one can do what Dr. Seuss does like after he's gone there's really no replacement like it's so crazy that no matter how big someone gets in their lifetime, it cannot keep going once they're done. Like the brand keep going a little bit, but like, look at Tom Ford. Like it's not, it's still amazing, but it's not what it used to be. And even it's like, I mean, is the guy still alive. I actually don't know that much about Tom Ford, but it's just funny. I feel like there's a meme going around that like a lot of people have like the Tom Ford coffee table books and I actually don't know anything about him. I'm in the camp. I don't really know much about him at all, honestly, but like it is No matter how successful you are within your lifetime, it is so hard to make that generationally, like, historically important. And most of the people who you see in their history books were hated or not well-known in their lifetime. Like, I think a lot of really big artists like Picasso didn't get their fame until after they passed away. I'm sure a lot of big authors were that way, too. Like, I can probably look up some historical examples so I can think of it that way. But anyways, so Disney, like, the Disney that I grew up with, this Walt Disney magical universe that protects kids' dreams and inspires them, that Disney put out an ad on the making of Balenciaga after just, what, like, a year ago they had this whole scandal by making one of their campaigns looks like they were doing, like, um, child sex trafficking. I knew that campaign was planned and plotted to stir the pot. I knew there was no, like, yes, it was real, like, they posted that, but I was like, there is, because, so, um, I also looked into it a bit, so the photographer that took the pictures for that campaign, he was doing a whole series of taking pictures of kids' toys, but every other pictures he took in his series were innocent. It actually was a kid with their toys. Blenciaga's was the only one that was, like, creepy and weird. Oh, so I will go watch this Disney ad, and I'm sure when this Blenciagas documentary comes out, I will watch it, but, just know that, like, your mind is being played with. So, like, back to this Matt Rife thing, he has too big of a PR team to fail. He knows most of his audience is female, and they go for him because of his looks, and he kind of came off like a guy's girl. And I'm sure there is a reason his PR team made the opening joke to his Netflix special what it was. I still haven't even listened to the joke, so I don't know if I ever will. So I, but I also haven't even listened to Trevor Wallace's live Netflix special. Like, I just haven't been in the mood to listen to a comedy stand-up live episode. I love Trevor Wallace. But, um... So it's, like, nothing related to, like, the Matt and cancel thing. But I just know that people that big are too big to fail. Or even, like, when Kanye was saying all that outlandish stuff, I bet a lot of that was deepfakes or plotted. Like, they needed to get the press off of something else he was doing. And, like, Jeffree Star posted something once on his Twitter that was, like, you guys have no idea what's going on with ha- Kanye and these other celebrities. Or, like, there's these conspiracies that Paris Hilton's, like, act was it... No, is it Britney Spears, not Paris Hilton? I think it's Britney Spears. That Britney Spears, like, right before her book came out, she was actually dead. And I don't know, me and my boyfriend kind of talked about the conspiracy theory that Juice World might be alive, because one of his best friend's albums, a new album that came out a few years ago, if you look at the first letter down everything in the album, it says Juice is alive. And a ton of music is still being released by Juice World, even though he's, like, dead. But all the music is getting released, like, on SoundCloud, where if it was a PR team running it, they would be releasing it on Apple and Spotify and doing a ton of promo for it, so the PR team could make money off of it. Like, you know, the guy's dead. Like, if it was really just releasing the music, they would be doing it for, like, money and a profit. But because it's getting released on, like, SoundCloud and these underground things first, or, like, I think he released, there's one album that's been released since he, away. I don't want to speak deal with the like, he could very well truly be dead. But, like, even with Michael Jackson, people think they saw him at his own funeral, like, I really think anything you see about celebrities is as fake as a movie you watch. Like, it cannot be real if you just, like, logistically put it through and through. So that is, that's, like, the main point. I don't know if that came through in this podcast. Like, I didn't mean to, when I say cancel cancel culture, I more just mean, like, don't get too in the weeds about things when you're being lied to. (laughs) Like, you're gonna pile more lies on top of lies you're being told. Like, it's interesting. I think we can all discuss it. Um, it's cool. It's funny, it distracts us from our normal lives, but I think just know you're being manipulated all the time. And so I also have a podcast episode that's almost ready to go, that's actually about politics and I do not share my own political views, really. I just, I literally just share, like, my personal experiences, and it's not really anything I think you guys would disagree with. Literally, all I talk about is that, like, I was born in Israel and how that made me see the situation that's going on there, but, like, I still have lots of sympathy for all the civilians who are suffering there. Like, no one should be hurt at the hands of anyone else, like, period, regardless, end of story. Um, so, anyways, but that episode's coming next where, like, a lot of the big things in life... it's a lie. Like the only thing you can believe is how you feel and the people in your life who you love. So, uh, yeah, that's this episode. I think I got a little transcendental a little existential on it. Um, it's interesting. And I think, yeah, I think let's think about the way of kind of was saying with Walt Disney and stuff. We're like, is this a person who's only gonna be relevant within this lifetime? Or is this gonna be a historical figure who is changing the course of how we think about humanity across history of books, across lifetimes and generations? I think that can kind of help put things in the scope of the gravity we're giving to things. So um, yeah, okay, cool. Now podcast episode over. I think I've said it's been over like eight times, but now like director cut ribbon, boom, done. Actually over now. All right, Bye. Okay, also I think I'm realizing um, I was kind of thought this after I finished recording. I was like, I don't think I ever talked about the third persona Did I? The third persona is who you are for your craft. So if you're an actor It's the character you play on screen if you're Matt, right? It's who you are when you're on stage at a comedy show if you're a singer if you're Taylor Swift It's who you are when you're performing your songs and on your album. So the three personas is Number three, like, your craft. And I think a lot of celebrities have some kind of a craft. Even someone like, let's take, like, the Kardashians that aren't really famous for anything in particular besides the one who's an Olympian. Like, you're still kind of famous for being famous. You have, like, a what you're famous for persona. Like, I think Chris's is, is being a businesswoman. Okay, we'll get into this another time. I have a lot of psychological theories about the Kardashians. Overall, I'm not a fan. I think they've done a few good things, but overall, I'm um, not a fan of them, which is, I think, a polarizing opinion. I think I can't just, like... Brush that off and not go into depth as to why I think that. Okay, so for a long time, Kendall Jenner was my favorite Kardashian because she modeled and she worked with Gigi Hadid and um, with the big brands that I admire a lot. But then when I look at the things Gigi Hadid has done for the modeling industry, the interviews she's given, the charity she works for, I think she's a much better quality of person. Um, just from what I've seen, and, like, the Kardashians have such unlimited access. They basically have unlimited wealth, and this will be a podcast episode because I have a lot of thoughts on this, and all my friends, my close friends know it. If I was in charge of the Met Gala, I'm not, I would never let another Kardashian-Jenner ever touch the red carpet. I think for the amount of resources they have, I don't know who styles them. I don't know how much, say, the Kardashian versus stylist has when they walk the Met Gala, but I watched the Met Gala episode of the Kardashians. I have a friend who's really into fashion and loves the Kardashians. I watched the Met Gala episode with her. I like, had to hold in my urge to vomit with the resources they have I think they waste them I think they look like crap half the time they don't make an interesting political statement sometimes they try to but I don't honestly think I think they're so out of touch with reality they can't and honestly I learned recently that like they didn't come from a ton of wealth I always thought it was like um what's it called like family wealth generational wealth my friend told me that like Kim Kardashian used to be Paris Hilton's closet organizer, and that's how she got a lot of connections. Which is like great. I'm so glad she's a self-made woman. But like, I saw this ad on my Instagram once for Kris Jenner being a businesswoman. I'm like, well, yeah, it's so easy to start a million, like a million um companies if you have like unlimited budget. Like, yeah, anyone can make a business succeed if you can pay for like whatever you want. But whatever, I'll rant for another time. But anyways, so you have persona number three, which is who you are to the public. So apparently Kris Jenner, businesswoman, Taylor Swift singer, whatever you are in your craft, that's persona persona two is who you are in the public eye it is what the tabloids manipulate you to look like what your PR team wants you to look like to get a bite and to help your social standing if you think of like the Kim Kardashian Hollywood game app it's the little dumb tasks you did to get famous being caught in scandals and things like that and then the real personality is who you really actually are and in some ways even your friends and families don't even know you're the number one persona is the one I think everyone has and in some ways I think everyone has like all three personas they do have a persona two where it's like how the world perceives you and you have a persona three like who you are at work and stuff like that but i think with normal people we get a much healthier way to balance our three personas and understand who they are well i think when you're in the public eye the other two personas besides the one you are in private they get really really warped because you're not in control of it you can't really take a lot of actions to fix it because it's it's meant to make a splash it's kind of almost the way meant to be a lie you are impersonating a story like you know like a fairy tale like that kid like cinderella like you are becoming a fairy tale for someone you're entertainment you're telling a story you're not and the the best stories like i'm thinking of heroines like i don't know divergent hunger games like we love stories of strong authentic characters the thing is they're not like they're they're not real like someone is playing them so i think actors do pull from their real steps and their real private person oneself but um that's a whole existential crisis to get down another time. And I have a friend who's an actress, so I love hearing all the stuff she does in her show business and how she gets into character. I think it's genuinely the most fascinating, cool thing in the entire world. But yes, I just wanted to say, I think I forgot to explain what I thought the third persona was. So the third persona is who you are in your craft. Okay. Good morning, my pretties. I woke up with the sunrise today, which is wonderful. I always love it when you like naturally wake up like that. I'm currently like laying on my side and like. Parents' dog is with my knees, it's so cute. Hi, Prince, I'm obsessed with you. I'm obsessed with you. You're my celebrity. Do you guys want to know why I named him Prince? So, we were coming up with names for my dog, and it's really funny because my sister really wanted to name him Max after Prince Maxon in this election, and I think Maxon is a cool name like M A X O N. But it's funny because I was like thought of The Secret Life of Pets." And like, no, Max is the most basic dog name ever. Like, we can't name our dog Max. And he doesn't look like a Max. He's a black and white Cocker Spaniel. And I think the name that they gave him was like Tuxedo. I thought Tuxedo was like long and hard to say. He just kind of looked like, a bit like a Tuxedo though. But I get it now. But my first like, eh, I don't really like that. He's not a Tuxedo. Um, so we were trying to think of other names for him, and I had a whole list in my phone. I've always wanted to name, like, a dog Alaska, like, some really pretty, baltic-colored dog. But my sister was really stuck on the name Max. So I was like, no, we're not naming our dog Max. So, um, we settled on Prince because my dad loves Prince Fielder, the old Brewers player. Um, I love... Prince from, like, Purple Rain, the song, and so does my mom. And I just, like, love that he would be like, a princess and things like that. And, like, obviously, my dog is royalty. This is the most spoiled dog in the whole world. Because my parents got home during COVID. That would be my sister went back to school. It was, like, the first time being empty nesters. Because that's when I went to college, like, a few months later. So, you're the most spoiled dog ever. Yeah, you are. Um, is that weird for you guys to hear, like, my dog talk? Why is my light not turning on? My mom got me this, like, new remote light switch for my room. It's not working. How am I supposed to get ready? Oh, I was holding upside down. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't had coffee yet. Anyways, um, so and then yeah, my mom loves Prince the artist. I love Prince and princesses, and I also love Prince the artist. My dad likes Prince the Fielder, and my sister wanted to name Prince Max. and it's funny because my boyfriend now is named Max, and I think the very first thing I ever said to him was Max. that's a dog's name. Like the first thing I said to him casually when we met outside of a business trip. Right? So yeah, somehow well, he's still here. But anyways, why I'm doing this clip is one, I feel like I'm starting it's like literally quickly I'm boring routine as I like wake up and start podcasting, which I think I may need to work on. But um, hold on. Let me brush my teeth wash my face. I will continue this train of thought and hopefully my voice will awaken and stop cracking. Okay, I have now ingested coffee and feel much more normal. So okay. The reason I want to hop back on the pod is I literally made this entire podcast episode talking about how we should be, like, nicer to celebrities and how, like, cancel culture in general and just, like, making big judgments about people shows a lot about your character. And then I go and remember, I forgot to tell you the third persona of the three personas I think people in general have, but especially, like, that they're very exaggerated when it comes to celebrities. I go and explain it. And I like, start talking about how I don't like the Kardashians, which that makes it kind of part of the problem. So I want to discuss, like, why I don't like the Kardashians and how, like, how I expect this conversation to go. Because there is certain traits I do like about them. But, so, okay. Let's let's reel it back. One, the concept of, like, hypocrisy, where I think everything anyone says to you, like, ever is conditional. So, like, everything applies to, like, the situation it's in and the preconceived notions the person saying it has. So when I was talking about, like, um, being nicer when disgusting, like, public figures, because they are real people, and they're really not, they don't have that much more experience in the world than you do. They have different experience, but, like, they're the same kind of level of person. They've lived and learned, like, as long as you have the same resource. I mean, they might have a few more resources, but, like, generally the same, like, global access that you have. Like, yes, they do have more resources, but in, like, the grand scheme of things, like, you know, it's, we're all re- it's all relative. We're all, like, a little rock hurling through space, but, um so there's that but then okay let's go into when i what i notice myself being negative maybe this is different for every person or maybe this is true of everyone i find the only times i'm really negative towards someone besides like say a close friend who might have done something to betray my feelings but let's say someone i don't know or don't know well and i have a negative preconceived notion of them without them doing anything directly to me so just a celebrity or like i don't know let's say like in a high school like a person you don't know or something The only reasons I usually have negative feelings towards them is because I am jealous of something they have. It is something I've noticed about myself for a long time, and I catch myself, so if I'm, like, you know, kind of gossiping or not saying something I would want to say to the person's face I catch myself I'm like okay what am I jealous of what has caused me to feel this way so then instead of being jealous of this thing I can go admire it be like oh I think she looks beautiful I'm inspired by like the way she does her hair or the way she dresses or the kind of purses she buys or I don't know the places she travels or the friends she has and what are the positive things I can take from these traits I'm jealous of or you know those are all really shallow things that's like they're a really really nice good person and have the opportunity to do like big awesome like charity trips or something like, what am I truly jealous of? And how can I, like, work to reflect that in my own life so it doesn't have to make me negatively perceive someone else? So let's get to the Kardashians. I'm really jealous of them. I am really, really jealous that not of their public platform at all, but um, of, like, their wealth. They, I think, have the money to start up whatever they want Like, literally anything in the entire world, any creative dream they want, I think that for, obviously, I don't know them, I don't know anything, but I believe they have the tangible means to make it happen, and they choose to make, like, lip gloss brands and bras with dimples on them. So, this, I think, is why I do not like the Kardashians. So, obviously, there are other celebrities who started brands, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, Fenty Beauty completely changed how we expanded our foundation range to include people of color and like highlighters now aren't only colors that look good on paler skin there's going to be some like bright vibrant colors I actually own the Fenty highlighter that's the orange and pink pack it doesn't look that great on my skin it would look better on someone with a darker complexion but like I love it and I love the brand and I use it like kind of the orange is like eyeshadow or I'll use the pink over my blush and it's stunning so I think Fenty Beauty they changed something so even though it's just a makeup brand not that different from Kylie Lip Kits it was more inclusive and really said something community you say so there's that and then selena gomez she started rare beauty but she has the rare beauty impact fund and she spreads so much like mental health awareness about the issues she's struggling with and she's created these foundations to use her literal like foundation line to donate to a different foundation it's so clever and i love that and that's spectacular and i think that's something wonderful okay so even ariana grande's perfumes came to mind like i don't think those donate to any particular like charity or anything i would definitely consider those more like merch than a business, but there are these fun designs. It's something creative, not seen in the market before. Or like Nicki Minaj had a perfume that was like the shape of a body. That's kind of groundbreaking. Like that's something cool and new. And I guess you could say in a way like Kylie's lip kits were new or Kim's Skims brands. New. And I'm not like ranking on Skims. I think it's a clever wordplay that says Kim in the name, but I think they've done a great job of making that brand business model that it's separate from Kim Kardashian herself. And it's a good brand in itself. However, what I'm jealous of is that they have all these resources, and I don't think they do a lot for a larger community. Like Zach Efron, huge, like, heartthrob, household name, and he started a documentary touring the world discussing, like, better water and environmental practices. That's incredible, and that's why he is a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, where I think the Kardashians get that same level of press. They're invited to every Met Gala. They're invited to all the big things, but what do they do? You know what I mean? Like, so I know they have a reality TV show, and I'm not – A good person to talk about reality TV with. I've watched a few seasons of The Bachelor and like one of Too Hot to Handle but um I personally cannot watch reality TV alone. I I like Dance Moms too but once again can't watch it alone. I like just I it's so cringy to me like it kind of makes my blood curl in the same way like BoJack Horseman does because it's so exaggerated it's like grotesque like it's honestly kind of camp to me. Like, I personally can only watch reality TV if I'm sitting around with my friends and drinking a glass of wine. And there's really good outfits in it. Like, I love the first episode of The Bachelor when you see the girls walk out the limos. I love, like, looking at their dresses. But, yeah, I'm just not personally the biggest fan. So I've watched one episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. It is the one where they get ready for the Met Gala. And then there's also someone's wedding. I mix up the two, Chloe and Courtney. I don't Maybe it's not even either of them. I don't know. One of them is getting married in a Dolce Gabbana dress in Italy, question mark, I don't know. Well, okay, so here's the thing. I have some friends who are big Kardashian fans, and they tell me good things about the Kardashians. They're like, oh, like, Kim Kardashian, like, passed the bar. Okay, also, side note, honorary degrees, this is a hot take, this is my personal opinion, you don't have to agree. Honorary degrees are not a degree. Like, I know, like, Taylor Swift got one for NYU and that makes slightly more sense to me because songwriting is like English literature and I've seen like trivia questions It's like Taylor Swift or Shakespeare and it's like genuinely kind of hard to tell Like I do think she has some academic merit, but like okay, obviously I don't know the full story And I'm aware of that bias. so I think that's how we should talk about celebrities Where like you can say I don't know if this is true like kind of acknowledge you don't know the story you're being told but like uh, with Kim Kardashian passing the bar, she has unlimited resources. I'm not saying she bribed anyone, but she could have. She also has unlimited resources. Like, when I got really high scores on the ACT, I was like, how'd you do that? I'm like, well, my parents were very kind and paid for me to take two ACT prep courses and have a private tutor. So, like, yeah, of cu- like, could I imagine having all those resources and still failing the standardized again? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I had the resources to do well. So, also, it's, sure, maybe she studied for the bar, I don't My friend who watches the Kardashians like, yeah, like in the episodes you can see her studying for it and she can't hang out with North as much. For why, like is she practicing law? Is she like representing people? Is Kim Kardashian someone attorney? Like what? If she is like good for her, but then she's also developing pros with nipples on them. So I don't, I can't really say I respect it that much. Because the thing with honorary degrees is, like, there is people who busted their butt the traditional way, like, showed up to their lectures, did years worth of homework and exam assignments to get their degrees, so now you're going to give it to someone else just because they have, like, public experience in a different way. I'm not discrediting that experience, like, Taylor Swift does have amazing songwriting experience, the average student at NYU doesn't have, but, like, I don't know if that necessarily makes her, like, deserve a degree. But also, I guess we have to look at the definition of a degree and what it means. But I think, to me, a degree is, like, the pursuit of studying something and putting your work into something. So unless she had to, like, make a thesis out of her songs or something, I don't really understand how that's a degree. But I need to explain to me, I don't know. I would need an expert, and then maybe that would change my opinion. This is just my perspective from what I've seen. But so, like, I guess just coming back to Kardashians, I don't really think they use their wealth and publicity for much good. I think for how big of a platform they have, they advocate for very little change. And so I was talking with my friends who like think the Kardashians do all these good things. I'm like, I'm pretty social savvy. I even follow some of the Kardashians because like I'll give credit where credit's due. they do start fashion trends. I don't agree with all of them. I think a lot of them look like the Fashion Nova sales section. Like, I personally don't think the Kardashians have good taste. I just think they're rich and wear designer brands that are designed well. But I think if they had the budget of, like, the average American household, I don't think they would be dressing well. They just have stylists and access to fashion shows. But like, I personally don't really like any of their styles. Like, some of the only outfits that stand out to me is I do like what Kendall Jenner wore. The Met Gala it's the um, America theme, and she wore, like, that star-spangled dress inspired by Audrey Hepburn, like, the rhinestone stars. That one was beautiful but it was really sheer, which I, I know it's saying something about like openness of culture and body positivity, but like, I, I don't know. It's still a red carpet and you showed up kind of naked with a mesh dress. I, but I guess it's an update to the Audrey Hepburn version, but Audrey Hepburn's was, it was pretty, like, I like the riding stones on it, but I don't know if it's like my favorite or like when, what Kim Kardashian wore to the Met Gala for camp, like that short dress, you were on the red carpet. Why are you wearing a short dress? Like that is gown. That's long gown, formal. But then also, there's other, I'm being hypocritical again, I guess, because like Nina Dobrev wore a three D printed gown that was short. I think that was also for camp. I know Zach Posen designed it. But like that's different because it's three D printed. It's saying something. Where like Kim Kardashian's dress, it was a T-shirt style dress and short. Like you could have made it strapless and long and had the same fabric and cool dripping pattern her dress had. But that might not be on her. It might be on the designer and the stylist. I don't really know how that works. One day, I would love to know how that works, but like right now, I don't. But like Blake Lively, she has a huge hand in designing her own dresses for the Met Gala, and I think like that's an example of using it for great. Her like the things that like Lively does with her platform. She made Betty Buzz this um, non-alcoholic drink mixer, but it's not a mixer; you can drink it on its own too, to advocate for like sobriety and health, mental health management when it comes to alcohol or. You know, like Ryan Reynolds, um, I think he owns Mint Mobile and then Hugh Jackman has Aviation Gin, but like they both like talk about like kind of worldly good and sourcing things in an ethical way. Even Starbucks talks about how they're like the ethical goods promise and exchanging coffee beans and things like that. So I just think the Kardashians are literally a household name. They have a a ginormous platform and I, I don't know. I think they like dick around with it. I don't think they take it very serious. I like Northwest. I think she's hilarious, actually. Like, genuinely, she might be my favorite Kardashian, I guess. I think she's really funny and really real. Um, but she's also really young, so, like, we'll see how that evolves. But um, I don't like Kylie's style. I don't – she used to have, like, bright blue hair. Why – I don't I understand how she's a fashion icon when she looks like that. I did, like, her campaign for Acne Studios, though. Like, that was really cool. Um, I think she looked great in, like, that denim suit. But so props to Acne Studios directing team. I thought that campaign looked wonderful with the twin – or are they twins? The sisters? Whatever. I thought that looked phenomenal but like i don't really like the big lip trend that she started i think the kardashians have a lot to do with ruining women's body images and promoting plastic surgery they're not the only ones a lot of celebrities do it but i think they do make it a lot worse um i think photoshopping a lot of celebrities do it but i think the kardashians do make people's self-image a lot worse so this is like I guess what I'm saying here is, like, my perception of the reasons I personally don't like the Kardashians is, one, I'm very invested in fashion. It's something I care a lot about, and I'm jealous that these people have the resources to wear whatever they want, and I think they honestly look terrible. Like, Kylie Jenner got the honor of honoring Virgil Abloh, the creative director of Louis Vuitton, after his death for the Met Gala, where she wore this kind of white-looking wedding dress with, like, a trucker hat and a veil I don't know in my opinion I feel like Virgil would like roll over this grave looking at that but I don't know maybe he designed the dress I haven't looked that deep into it but I just thought she looked terrible and she got the privilege to honor a designer or a creative director who like I really really look up to so like she got this opportunity I'll never have and I thought she didn't do it justice at all I in my personal opinion so one is I like am deeply connected to um, something that they represent I don't like how they represent it also I think the reason I don't like them is from a myriad of many, many different things. For example, the one episode of Keeping Up with Kardashians I saw when Kim got to wear Marilyn Monroe's dress to the Met Gala. I will never get a chance to wear Marilyn Monroe's dress, and even if I could, I don't think I would. But she, as many people know, she did rip it, and that could have been faked. Like every, like I said, PR can be really faked and exaggerated, but I've seen pictures before and after of the dress, and like she knew she had to dye it to fit into that dress. And the crazy thing is, at least this is what I've heard, it could be wrong, but I heard that she wore a replica the second she got off the red carpet to all the parties. She should have just worn a replica from the beginning. Who would have known? And when you watch the episode of the Kardashians, like this is the reality TV episode that she directed and put out. She was dyeing her hair blonde to look like Marilyn Monroe, like the day before the Met Gala. She has jet black hair every hairstylist know you usually have to go in like seven different times to lift your hair from black to bleach blonde and that's why it looked like crap and like a wet dog on the Met Gala so like I'm sorry I'm ranking on her but if you get the honor of wearing Marilyn Monroe's dress one of the most iconic females in the U.S. history like and you're going to not fix your hair until the day before when you have the team to do it as far in advance as you want or get a beautiful wig. Like, when Blake Lively played Marilyn Monroe in Gossip Girl, she looked a million times better than Kim did. And she didn't have to ruin a real antique dress to do it. So that's, like, kind of my take there. And so, like, so maybe Kim didn't ruin the dress. Maybe that was a publicity thing but I still think the concept of it is I don't think Kim Kardashian has the cultural relevance that Marilyn Monroe does. Like It kind of makes my blood boil thinking that the Kardashians can be in history books the same way and they will be because they are social phenomena. When people study social media and the effect that technology had on the 2000s and 2010s and 2020s like they'll be mentioned and it makes my blood boil because I just don't think they did a good job of it and then so with the wedding with Dolce & Gabbana one Dolce & Gabbana has had many many issues with like um I have to look it up again but I know they've had like scandalous campaigns so I think that's an interesting choice if you can have your wedding with any brand you choose that one but if you choose it good for you but everyone right now go look up either Courtney or Chloe I don't know who it is Dress that she wore to Italy from Dolce and Gabbana. It literally looks, I could find you the exact same short corset dress um, on Shein. And she got married in, like, I'm pretty sure a real Catholic church in Italy, which I'm jealous. I would love to get married in a real church in Italy. That's so cool. And I loved her veil. The Virgin Mary on it was beautiful. But then she was wearing it with, like, low key lingerie. Like, I just think it's disrespectful and distasteful. I, or I recently saw a post that, um, some priest got in trouble for like letting Sabrina Carpenter film in a church and she was wearing like a really really short dress open shoulders and it was like a black dress with a black veil and like I said everything in publicity it could be faked it could not be real I don't know the whole context of it but like yeah you probably should get in trouble for that like you know what I mean so I think it is totally fine to just like celebrities but like give them credit where credit's due I give the Kardashians credit that they have like some kind of social say and relevance in fashion. I'm really jealous. They have that say. I wish I had like the designers and the resources that they have. But I think they do a bad job, and that's why I don't like them. But it's based on many, many factors on why I don't like them. It's not really one instance. Like what I just went with Sabrina Carpenter, that is one instance where I don't think that makes me dislike the rest of her as an actress. And also that one's more about like the priest and things, but. Yeah, so that is my point with celebrity culture. I think it's fine to get heated. Like, I found this entertaining, and my friends who love the Kardashians, we love having, like, productive debates about it because I'm like, girl, like, I will pull up footage. Like, I think everything was ugly. Like, um, this year at the Met Gala, when Kylie wore that bright red dress um, to Carl Longerfeld theme, some people thought it was great and on theme, and they said Carl actually hated the color pink, so he would have loved that she wore something bright red and stand out. I thought she looked like she was wearing a Sherry Hill prom dress. I don't. I get the color, the point of the color red, and she looked good. Like physically, the dress is beautiful on her. But I, I liked what Emma Chamberlain wore to fit the theme of Carl Longerfeld much better, or what Anne Hathaway wore, much much better. I think it did a lot more justice to his artistic vision. I don't think, but maybe he would have liked how bold she was. So like, what do I know? But there's also people showing up in like cat mascot costumes. So like, that's the difference. I liked when Doja Cat classily dressed up like Carl Longerfeld's cat. I don't like when the guy, other guy, had a removable head. But like I liked what he wore to the Heavenly Bodies thing where he had like his head on a platter. So I get that he does something with like big heads, but I don't know, I thought the mascot costume was honestly more camp than it was Carl Longerfeld, but whatever. Um, to each their own. That is is this was this a rant about celebrity culture? Maybe it was. I just think when you are seeing celebrities, you are reflecting what you see in yourself and when you're negative about someone in general, at least for me personally, I, let me know if you, this is true for you guys, like look and words, when I'm negative to people, it's because I'm jealous. Maybe other people's negativity comes from something else. Mine comes from jealousy. So like, think, what are we jealous of? And like, we can have cool, productive conversations. And I don't know, I don't think this podcast episode will change anything, but if we can like maybe give them a dress code when they're invited to red carpets, that'd be cool. So like, or like maybe give their invite to someone who cares a lot more about fashion. I don't know. I, I wish I had their resources and Yeah. But that is now finally the actual end to my celebrity culture episode. I was going to end it a little bit sooner, but I remembered I forgot third persona. As I discussed the third persona, I was like, no, I'm just doing what I told people not to do. So I have to go, like, get into it and get into why and get into this cultural discussion that I discussed. So go fight with me in the comments. I'm excited. Um, let's have some hot takes. Let's... And celebrity culture, like I said, it's a release. It's escapism. It's a way we distract ourselves from our own lives, but also reflect on our own lives through living through a different public figure. So let's get into it. Let's get into why we do it, how we feel about it. How do we want it to change? How do we want it to stay the same? I think it'll be cool. All right. Love you guys. Wishing you lots of love, joy, and purpose throughout the day.